Psalm 143 is what I read this morning. And I really like this prayer as a confession, as well as petition, asking God for specific work in our lives. So I appreciate the psalm as a really good model, not just in what to ask for, but how to ask it and the kind of attitude we we should have before God. So here it says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your righteousness, sorry, in your faithfulness answer me. In your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. So verse 2, that's that's uh, what I was talking about, how it's not just how David asks, or sorry, it's not just what David is asking, but it's also how he's asking it. The kind of, the kind of disposition he has before God. He says, don't enter into judgment over me, because there's not one person that if they enter into judgment before you will make it out on the other end. Enter not into judgment with your servant, because I'm not righteous. So don't respond to my my prayer with judgment, but please respond with, with mercy. Respond according to your faithfulness, according to your promise. Not because of how good my prayer sounds, or because I'm telling you that you have to do it this way. Um, Respond to me. I'm putting my faith in your response because I know you are a God of mercy. I know this is the way that you are. Then it says, The enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. So, I like verse 5 because it also talks about uh, the preparation and the 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 post prayer attitude i remember the days of old meaning all that god did in ancient times i meditate on all that you have done i ponder the work of your hands so david is thinking about god and what he has done which reveals who he is and that's informing his prayer for mercy for deliverance for salvation. So he says, Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Now, uh, I don't think this is a, you know, verse 7, that might sound like it's a, it's a disrespectful thing. Hurry up already, you're taking so long. No, I think, uh, he says, Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails, is because of uh, urgency and 
he, David is recognizing the, the desperation and his total dependence on God. I don't think it's a, it's a, it's an annoyance thing. Answer me quickly. Uh, I think he's just honestly saying, uh, this, this needs your urgent attention. That's the kind of prayer that it is. That's the kind of situation I'm in. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Like those who go down to the pit, or like it said earlier in uh, verse 3, sit in darkness like those long dead. So David keeps thinking about the fate of those who die outside of the mercy of God. Those who are outside the mercy of God are as good as dead and do perish. And so David is praying for something that he recognizes is exceptional, meaning that it's it's not what we are owed. It's not what we deserve. From beginning to end, David is praying based on God's mercifulness. Verse 8 says, Let me hear in the morning when the darkness has passed. That's what that signifies. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. So David is trusting that there will be a passing away of this darkness from death to life. And then he's also saying, in the meantime, give me the knowledge of the way I should go, of how I am to endure the darkness. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. And look at these look at these specific requests requests. Verse ten. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. So God being our God entails uh him teaching us his will. If we're calling God our God or Jesus our King or Jesus our God, um but but we but we have an understanding of Jesus outside of him being a, a teacher of his will to us, we're missing something really important about Jesus. We're missing something really important about our relationship to God. If we don't acknowledge the teaching ministry of God in our lives. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Um, one thing I want to say on verse 9. Uh, I had heard sometimes growing up about, you know, f like fair weather Christians that or or two extremes, as the these people called it. They said, you know, if you're only trusting in God during good times, that's a problem because, uh, you know, when hard times come and you and you don't trust in God, it's just like, well, then do you actually really trust in God during those easy times anyway? And I think there's a fair point to be had there. And then the other extreme was something that I thought uh, wasn't 
wasn't very helpful to say. And the other extreme was this. If you're only going to God... Uh, now, again, there's a fair point here, but just as I was growing up, I didn't, I didn't recognize the nuance of what these people were saying. So maybe it was my fault more than theirs and what we were, what they were saying. But anyway, they said, you know, you shouldn't only be going to God when when times are tough. Like you shouldn't only just start praying or reading the Bible when you you're in a spiritual desperation state. And, you know, the way I see it is, uh, look at verse 9. It says, deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Uh, you know, you're not you're not in a in a tower of refuge when when there's nothing to seek refuge from. So there is an aspect of fleeing to God for refuge when times are tough, where it's just like, yeah, I know it's it's not always like this. It's not always red alert. It's not always me, uh, you know, on my on my sick bed, as it were, really, really struggling in life. It, it is not always like that. And it is totally appropriate, and I think it it is the only appropriate response to flee to God in those really difficult times for refuge. Uh, and that's not something we should feel guilty about. So when I, when I was growing up and I would hear people say the the two extremes thing, sometimes I would be like, yeah, but you know, when I when I am going through something hard, or I'm or I'm sad, or I'm mad, or whatever. And I go to God for refuge. I'm supposed to feel bad that I did that in a in a time of an emergency. I'm so, like I said, that's something. As I grew up, I I think I just recognized the nuance of a little bit more. But you know, there should be no guilty conscience over fleeing to God for refuge in those times of 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 panic or or worry or times where you really are going through something extremely difficult ex- uh, extraordinarily difficult to you uh, and that's what david is doing here uh, so verse 10 teach me to do your will for you are my god that's consistent with what he already said in verse 8 where he says make me know the way i should go and then verse 10 teach me to do your will for you are my god let your good spirit lead me these are really specific requests. Um, command my life. Command my days. Let your will be done. Verse 11. For your namesake, O Lord, preserve my life. <laughs> for your namesake, save me. Save me for your purposes. For your glory. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfastness, in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. Verse 12, there is coming, there is a coming day where there won't be those times of panic or those, those dark nights of the soul where you really won't have enemies of your soul any longer. They will be destroyed. They will be cut off from the land of the living. That's a great promise that Jesus guaranteed to us. Uh, Jesus, uh, you know, no, nobody's worried that Jesus is going to die again. Uh, that he left in the tomb. Uh, that, that sting of death is no longer there. 
that uh, permanence of death is uh, done away with because of Jesus. And he has also guaranteed, and you can see this laid out very um, powerfully and poetically in books like Revelation, where Jesus will destroy and cut off all the enemies of good, all the darkness, all the sin, uh, and and cut off all those who who disobey him and don't trust in him, and don't and don't pray these things like God, you teach me to do your will, make me know the way I should go, Let, lead me in the way that you want to go. You are the king, you get to say what I need to do. You get to command my life. Uh, for the people that don't recognize that they will be cut off but for those of us that even in our even in our uh sinful state right now we can recognize i know it shouldn't be this way and i don't want it to be this way and so for the time being i am i am asking for your mercy for your guidance um that you not enter into judgment with me but that you enter into into teaching me a father teaching a son and god has done that through his son Jesus. That's all I have to say for for now on this passage. Thank you for listening. See you next time.